All right. Good morning, everybody. Oh, let's try it again. Good morning. You're the 11 o'clock crowd. You're awake, right? Absolutely. Well, we're glad that you're here. I uh, want to welcome, again, those of you that are new or visiting with us for the first time today. We love it that you're here. We love new people at Hope. It's why we exist, and we pray that you feel uh, loved and welcomed in this place today. We're uh, continuing and actually wrapping up a sermon series today on the Holy Spirit that we've been in the last few weeks, a series called Fired Up. Everybody say, Fired Up. Fired up. Oh, one more time. Fired Up. Awesome. And you have been. That's been uh, the amazing thing to watch what God has done these last few weeks during this series and the way that the Holy Spirit has been moving. Not just the last few weeks, but just the, the last few years uh, in you uh, as a church and what we've seen God do, uh, especially during this sermon series, is the way that His Holy Spirit has been working in very real and tangible ways. I've been hearing stories uh, passed around uh, of, of people getting healed, God answering prayers left and right. I don't know if you heard this. Sometimes I love to just stand in the back during worship. You are a Lutheran church, and I heard people singing this morning. It was amazing, like over the top uh, of the band. It was awesome. So praise God for that. That's a really cool thing. Yeah, you bet. Um, it's a small thing, uh, but it's a big thing uh, in the sense that God's spirit is moving. Something else we've seen a lot of, you know, we're always asking, say, come on up for prayer afterwards, prayer partners to come uh, up front uh, afterwards, and you can be prayed for. More and more of you are coming up and doing that as a normal, natural part of your weekend experience. It's not just something like, well, you know, there's something terrible going on in my life. I should probably go up and get prayed for. But many of you are just coming up. I see little groups of you before and after worship huddling up and having prayer. It's it's a prayer culture. It's something we do. It's a lifestyle. It's not just something that we do once a week. It's I've, I've probably the last few weeks, I've had four, five, six of you each service come up to me before afterwards and say, hey, this is so-and-so. They're my friend. They're my coworker. They're my, my neighbor. I invited them today. More and more inviting happening just as a natural overflow of who you are and being filled up by the Holy Spirit. So praise God uh, for that. You know, people often ask us, what is it about hope or like what's going on there? Uh, what is it about you guys? And, and and maybe they're just asking what's so weird about us, but uh, they're asking what's God up to? What is it about you guys? And we say, I don't, we don't really know what it is, but we think it has something to do with the spear it uh, and what God is doing in that sense. So praise God for that. But lest we think that it was some just self-righteous effort by us to feel better about ourselves and, and be filled up by all, the Holy Spirit here and be some sort of holy huddle. I was reminded this week of just how important it is that we are people that are full of the Holy Spirit, not just here on Sundays, but outside these walls as well. There was a survey that came out recently that was done by the Barna Group, and there's a lot of organizations out there that survey people both inside the church and outside the church to diff get different assumptions and perceptions that people have. And so the Barna Group did this uh, recent study where they just, they do this once every five or ten years, and they just interviewed hundreds and thousands of people all over the country that are that are uh, essentially non-believers, people that are outside the church, uh, that don't believe in Jesus, don't want anything to do with the church, have no religious affiliation whatsoever. And the qu one of the questions that they asked him in the survey is, what is your perception of Christians? What is your perception of people inside the church? If you could list off some characteristics, what would they be? And we kind of boiled it all down. And I, here's the results, and this is just one survey out of many, but the results were startling. Three out of the top five characteristics that they listed were this. Number one, judgmental. Number two, hypocritical. And number three, close-minded. Ouch! Ouch! And there's a lot of different reactions that we can have to that and take it or leave it, regardless of whether we think that that's a fair assessment uh, or not. You might say we have a PR problem. 
The church has a bit of a PR problem in the way that we're trying to reach a lost and broken and hurting world. I mean, don't forget what our mission is at Hope. The reason we exist is to reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. One of our values as a church is that lost people matter to God, so they matter to us. And so there would be a way we could respond to a survey like that and say, well, forget about those people. They don't really know us. They don't know what they're talking about. But if our mission as a church is to reach those people, why would we put up one more wall or one more barrier? And so the bad news is that Christianity, that the church in our country today, has walls to break down more than we think. But the good news is this, and this is what I want you to hear this morning, is that we have exactly what people are looking for. We have the answer. We have exactly what people are looking for. And it's not us, but it's God through us called the Holy Spirit. And that's what we've been talking about these past few weeks. And that's where we pick up today in Galatians chapter 5. So if you have your Bible, if you have one of these, open it up to uh, Galatians chapter 5. If you're new to the Bible, it's going to be in the New Testament. So way kind of in the back fourth of your Bible, all the way to the right. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians in that area. Galatians chapter 5. We're going to camp out there uh, for a little bit today. Paul is writing this letter to one of the churches that he helped plant. And so just to review where we've been a few weeks ago, we talked about who the Holy Spirit is, that the Holy Spirit is a part of the Trinity. Holy Spirit is God. A couple weeks ago, or actually last week, we talked about what does it look like to get filled up by the Holy Spirit. And so today I want to focus on what does it look like what is the fruit that's produced? What do our, how do our lives look differently when we are filled up by the Holy Spirit? What exactly happens? And so we start in verse 22. Let's read this together first up on the screen, uh, nice and loud, 22 and 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Pretty incredible list. Now... Let's compare and contrast that list with the list that I first showed you. Over here, this is what the Apostle Paul is saying, the normal, natural outcome and fruit of the Christian life when we allowed ourselves to be filled up by the Holy Spirit. Over here on the right is the perception, the assumptions that a lot of people have of the church, of Christians. What do you notice about those two lists? They could not be more opposite, right? But here's the thing. What if people's answers to that question on the Barna survey was that list instead of that list? Wouldn't that be incredible if what came to people's minds when they thought of the church or their experience with Christianity was all of those things rather than those? I mean, people would just be flocking to the church. People couldn't wait to hang out with you. If you're that kind of person, people would just be like, oh, what is it about you? I don't know what it is about you, but I, I want to know the reason for, for the hope that you have in your life and the love and the joy and the peace, it's, it's real for you. I, I want to know that. People couldn't get enough of it. Religious or not, this is what everybody's looking for. And so the good news, the answer to our PR problem isn't some of the tactics that we normally use as Christians. The answer to our problem isn't try to convince people, try harder to convince people that we're right and, and they're wrong. And just by the way, as a public service announcement, I have never seen anyone argued into a relationship with Jesus Christ. I've never, just for the record, I've never seen anybody debated into a relationship with Jesus Christ through your posts on their Facebook feed, okay? Just for the, just for the record, right? Or for that matter, to change their political or social beliefs because you had a bigger, better argument than they did and you went back and forth. Scripture says it's God's kindness that leads us to 
repentus. Ironically, one of the fruits of the Spirit is what changes people's hearts. Nor is the answer to just try harder, to strive more, to be a better Christian, to just try a little bit harder. The answer is to get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit move in and surrender more and more of our lives to the leading of the Holy Spirit so that people see less of us and more of Jesus. Because after our goal, after all, our goal is not to point people to us. It's not to point people to Lutheran Church of Hope. It's to point people to Jesus. Amen? And why is that? Because I believe that our world is desperate for his love. Not some fake conditional love that comes and goes, but real love, real joy. Not just happiness that's dependent on circumstances, but real love, real joy, real peace no matter what. And that's what Jesus offers. So how do we get that? How do we receive that? Well, here's how it happens. Paul describes it in Galatians chapter 5. As we come into a relationship with God, as his spirit comes and lives inside of us, there are some fundamental changes that start to take place in our lives, and our lives look completely different. We start to look more and more like that other list. It just kind of happens naturally as the fruit of a tree, the fruit of our lives. I was thinking about another way of getting at this a little bit to help us understand this and just kind of a, a practical way. Just how many of you just have children of any age? You had children, you've had uh, children, maybe you're planning on having children, you've ever seen a child in your life? Anybody? Okay, I think we've covered all of our bases. Okay, for those of you that have had children, do you remember back, and this may have just been recently for some of you or for some of you a long time ago, um, how many of you remember the day that you brought them home from the hospital? You remember that day? Some of you, it's just not too long ago, I know, for, for others of you. Uh, you know, they, there was a while ago, but you remember that moment? They're all cute and tiny, and you kind of guard them as a little treasure, and you guard them with your life. And then a lot changes in a few years, because I just remember the other day, I was having a WWF wrestling match with my five-year-old uh, in our living room. So a lot can change uh, in a short amount of time, but you're bringing them home. I don't know about you, but I think that day I drove home about seven miles an hour from the hospital. <laughs> right, which is normally not the speed uh, that I drive as, as well. How much, let me just ask you this, if you remember back to those first few weeks and months, how much sleep did you get those first few weeks, right? How quiet was your house those first few weeks? How many nice, quiet, romantic evenings did you and your spouse get together uh, those first few weeks, right? I wonder, how, how clean was your house uh, after having kids, you know, the first 18 to 20 years of their lives, right? Everything changed, right? When the doctor placed that child in your arms, when he placed our first child in in my arms, everything changed. And all I could do in that moment, I I could pretend like that reality didn't exist, but I'm a brand new person. All I could do is accept the gift that we had received and I could start to live like it's true, like I'm a dad. I'm always going to be a dad. This is my new identity. I'm a full-time dad. I have a new identity. And because of it, the evidence or the fruit in my life is very clear. It just kind of comes naturally. I get up way earlier than I used to now. No more sleeping into 11 o'clock like I did in my college days, right? I get up way earlier. Our house is way more noisy. I probably laugh a lot more now after having kids. I probably cry a lot more. I work a lot less in the evenings. Things change. There is evidence. There is fruit of a changed life. But get this. It's my identity as a dad, identity as a parent that fuels my activity, My identity fuels my activity, and so Paul says it is true with us. Because you and I have been born of the Spirit, we are sons and daughters of God, and so we have a new identity. And so that fruit naturally flows out of our identity, and so we live by the Spirit. 
We live as though it's true, as that's who we are. Paul puts it this way in verse 25 as we continue on. Let's read it up on the screen nice and loud. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Translation, Paul says, be who you are. Be who you are. Turn to the person next to you, look them in the eyes and say, hey, neighbor, be who you are. Tell them that right now. Be who you are. Just be yourself. You are a son or daughter of God. You have been born of the Spirit, and so we live in the Spirit. Sometimes we get this mixed-up understanding of Christianity that I'm just kind of maybe going to agree with some, some, uh, uh, some beliefs intellectually and, and just kind of tack those on to my existing worldview, or maybe being a Christian is just kind of trying a little bit harder. And the reality is that nowhere in the Bible do I see that God is after behavior modification alone. Instead, he's after heart transformation. And this is such good news because I don't know about you, but that list of fruits of the Spirit, that's a really hard thing to attain. It's a really hard thing to look up to. Brian, go back to that list one more time. Just look at that list of the fruits of the Spirit. Anybody nailing that this past week? Anybody just nail it, you know, 99% even? Anybody A minus, B plus on that, right? It's hard. Life is hard. And the really good news is that that list was never supposed to be a, a prescriptive list of how I got to measure up to be a good enough Christian to have God accept me. Instead, it was a descriptive list of what the, the Spirit naturally does in our lives. It was never the point. Instead, Jesus says this actually back in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 7. Jesus puts it this way in verse 16 and 17. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. Translation, if you're an apple tree, apple trees make apples. It's what they do. Dads do dad stuff. It's what they do. Those who are led by the Spirit do Holy Spirit stuff. It's what they do. The list is always meant to be descriptive rather than prescriptive. Here's the thing. You look at that list of fruits of the Spirit, I think to myself, who doesn't want that? Religious or not, Christian or not, in the church or not, that's the kind of stuff that money can't buy, isn't it? That's the stuff that everybody's looking for. Real love, joy that lasts for more than one night, peace regardless of our circumstances, and people will spend hundreds and thousands of dollars trying to get those things through where they live or the house that they have or the car that they have or how much stuff they have or a certain relationship or a certain lifestyle. And Jesus comes to you today and says, you know what? You can have it for free. I want to give it to you. It's only in a relationship with me. I mean, you can spend your whole life running around and trying to find all those characteristics and every other thing and other people, but you're never going to find it, Jesus says, apart from me. So how do we receive that? How does that actually happen? Well, Jesus answers that as well in the Gospel of John, chapter 15. So if you have your Bibles, go back to the left to John, chapter 15, and we're going to hang out there for a little bit. John, chapter 15, Jesus is talking to his disciples about life in him and what daily life looks like. And I would imagine that, as Jesus often does, as he tells these parables, they're just walking along the road. And they look up and they see this tree. And Jesus says, hey guys, time out. It's kind of like this. And he says this in verse 5. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. I mean, Jesus says, I'm the vine. You, meaning all of us, are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. 
for apart from me, you can do nothing. Everybody say nothing. That's a pretty bold statement from Jesus, isn't it? That's a pretty gutsy statement to say you can run around and you can try to find life in all these other ways. But Jesus says, if you want to bear fruit, not just experience the kind of life and the fruits of the spirit, but if you want to have any fruit that's going to last, any kind of lasting impact, live the kind of life that matters of eternal significance, you have to stay connected to me. Now, I was thinking about this, and I've brought out a lot of random props over the years and, and done a lot of crazy things from this stage. Today, I know, do not be overwhelmed, I brought a branch, okay? And I ripped it off a tree in my yard, okay? Uh, and it's looking like it doesn't have a lot of life. And so uh, it's, you're like, that's not how it's supposed to look. I know! It looks terrible, doesn't it? It was meant to be connected to the vine, to where the tree that it came off of. And I just want to ask you, what do you think? If we, all, if we all work together, do you think if we tried really, really hard that we could get this branch? Let's say, let's say it was an apple tree. It's not, but let's say it is. Do you think if we worked really hard, we could get this, tree, this branch to produce some fruit? Don't you think if we all worked, like if we just tried, like, come on, apples, right? And, I mean, we could duct tape one to make it look like it, you know, all. But this, here's the thing. As crazy as that sounds, this is what we do. This is what we do. Imagine if Mr. Branch here came over to the tree that I ripped it off of and said, hey, you know what, uh, Mr. Tree, it's been great hanging out with you for a while, but I think I'm doing pretty well, so I'm just going to kind of hang out over here. Life's really busy. I got a lot of commitments, uh, social commitments. I got to hang out with all of my branch friends uh, over here in the pile. I'm kind of done with that and staying connected. It just seems like a lot of work to hang out over there. So I'm going to hang out over here. Um, All of my branch uh, kids have a lot of activities that are going on, and I just kind of, I think we're just going to kind of do life on my own uh, over here. All my branch kids have activities, particularly on Saturday nights and Sunday mornings that we really need to do in our branch life. Did I just say that? Yeah. Uh, And we just need to to do our own thing over here. So life is really good. And so we're just going to hang out over here and you can just do your thing as the tree over there. Some of you are like, no, that's crazy. But here's the thing. Some of us look like this. Maybe not on the outside in our perception of the world around us, but some of us, this is what we're doing inside. We're just ripping ourselves off and we're like, why am I not growing? Why am I not experiencing those things that everybody wants? Why am I not experiencing more of God, more of the Holy Spirit in my life? It's because we're trying to do our own thing. We're disconnected. Jesus says, you want to produce fruit, you stay connected to me. We don't, this, (laughs) this branch looks terrible. It does not stand a chance. But here's the good news. Jesus says, it's never too late to get reconnected. And some of you have been doing your own thing for a long time. It's never too late to get reconnected to the tree, to the vine. Jesus says, come and plug in, and I want you to receive that life that you say you want from me today. Love what the great... uh, Pastor and author D.L. Moody once wrote, I just love this quote, it's one of my favorites, he says this, our greatest fear in life should not be of failure, but of succeeding at things that don't really matter. I think I've asked you this before, but I'll ask you again, what are you going to do this week that's going to matter after you're gone? What are you so busy with these days that's going to matter for eternity? Are you just kind of off in the pile of branches doing your own Thing and there's no life flowing into you. Instead, Jesus says, you want to live a life that matters? Remain, or another translation says, abide in me. Everybody say abide. abide. 
Abide meaning we hang out there. That's where we get our life from. That's, that's our base in life. That's our foundation. Abide in me. Jesus says, you want to have great friendships? Abide in me. You want to be satisfied? Abide in me. You want to have a great marriage? You want to be great parents? Be desperate for Jesus. Every day. Abide in, yeah, you can buy every self-help book and look inside yourself and try to have positive thinking and all this. Jesus says, abide in me. You want to fight for things that matter in this world? You want to get involved in, in political or social movements? You want to fight for social justice and serve the world without burning out? Jesus says, you've got to do it stay, staying connected to me because I'm the only one that can transform the human heart. You can try to do it on your own. You can try to live life on your own, but you're not going to produce the kind of fruit that you say you want that you know you need. You might wonder kind of, okay, John, that, that's great, and I get that conceptually, but what does that look like in a human life, like actually lived out? Well, a while back, we caught up with a, a member of Hope Des Moines here. His name's Craig. Some of you have seen him around. He's very involved, done lots of different things for different years. And the reason I wanted to show you just a little bit of Craig's story is because I think as you look at his life, it's, it's just this abiding and the producing fruit is, just becomes this natural rhythm in his life. So as you watch this short little clip about how Craig lives his day-to-day -day life and his just perception of living in the Holy Spirit, ask yourself, do I see that fruit of the Spirit coming out because he's trying harder, harder or because it's just coming natural? Let's take a look at Craig's story. Always knew God was just around the corner for me. And, and, but it always seemed like he was elusive. When I was 36 years old, I reached a point in my life where either had to happen or never happen. And there was a climax point where I was out on a deck one night and I said, if you want me, come and get me, but take all of me, not just part of me. And he did. My husband prays over our home and, and our family silently every single day. When Diane and I first started praying together, we found that our relationship grew stronger and started to image more of him than we realized. I don't really look at different jobs or different places or I just look at being with him all day long. It's not those things that matter, it's him. I think I get excited about work every day because I know that God's gonna take me on another adventure at my place of work. What is your role in the body of Christ? Seeing anything that needs done and doing it. <laughs> That's never his desire for you to be anywhere and, and, and not be a light. He doesn't want you covered up. Um, he doesn't want you to be a lake. He wants you to be a river. He wants things to run through you. If you're walking with him, he's, he's pouring into you constantly. Not for you to keep it, but to flow back out of you. And, and uh, God excites me. Uh, Christ excites me. The Holy Spirit excites me. It's not something that I can sit still. I have a hard time sitting still right now. I want to jump up and, and say it's, it's the greatest thing that could ever happen. Please don't let it pass you by. Please don't let it pass you by. What I love about Craig's story is there's tangible evidence of the fruit in his life. Love for those around him. 
joy that's deeper than his circumstances. Some of you are like, well, great, he can talk like that because his life is so much easier and so much better than mine. I doubt it. He would say that. It's been a hard couple years. It's not everything's hunky-dory, but there's a peace that's foundational in his life. There's a joy that's contagious, that's way deeper than his circumstances, a peace that God has him at the job that he wants for a reason. I think about it almost like the kind of person that people outside the church would actually want to hang out with. The kind of person that they would describe, I, I want to be with that kind of a person. And it's not through striving to be a better Christian, it's through abiding. I mean, you heard Craig mention just a life that's just saturated with prayer. It's not like, now it's time to pray and then I'm going to move on with the rest of my normal life. His whole life is saturated, saturated with prayer and being connected on a weekly basis to, to worship in a church community, inviting the Holy Spirit into his marriage. I mean, when's the last time you did that? Intentionally into his workplace every day, serving regularly. And what you see developing in Craig's life is this kind of this, this natural rhythm of abiding in Christ, and the natural outflow of that is producing fruit. And the great thing about what Jesus says in John chapter 15 is not just the what of abiding, but the how of abiding as well. Just as the branch, that, that, that tree was a part of, that tree goes through natural seasons where in the winter maybe it's more dormant and you don't see it producing fruit as much, but you know it's receiving life and nourishment. And then as it grows, sometimes it needs pruning, which Jesus also talks about. Sometimes in our life to experience fruit, God needs to take things out of our life and create space. Sometimes producing more fruit means doing less. We've bought into the lie sometimes that... that that super busyness equals productivity when it comes to the Christian life. I don't see Jesus saying that anywhere. Instead, in John 15, it says, no, it's actually out of your rest that you're able to work. And it's almost like a, like a pendulum. If you can imagine one of those pendulums that has a little steel ball on the end of it, just swinging back and forth naturally. You don't have to tell a pendulum to do what it does. It just swings back and forth. And Jesus is saying this in John 15, out of your rest, out of your abiding, comes your fruitfulness. And yeah, there's pruning and growing that happens along the way. But often what we do is we just avoid the other half of the circle and in our world, in our culture, we just peg the meter over to that side of overworking ourselves and of busyness and of stress, right? Parents, great question for you. What, what model, what rhythm to life are you modeling for your children? Is there a natural time where you just rest and abide and Sabbath as a family? Or is the meter just pegged with overcommitments and activities, particularly on the weekends? What are we teaching our kids about how we actually grow and what's a healthy rhythm? And so Jesus asks you today, what, what would a, a daily rhythm look like? What would a weekly rhythm look like of abiding and fruitfulness back and forth? What would a monthly or an annual rhythm look like? Have you talked about this with, with your spouse, with your family, with your friends? Have you talked about what kind of a life you want to live and what type of rhythm it's going to take to get there? In my 36 years of life, I don't think I've ever had a balanced week. Have you? I don't find balance, but I think what I'm starting to find is maybe a rhythm. There's going to be seasons of more work and more fruitfulness, and then I know if there's going to be fruitfulness, if, if I'm going to see the kind of fruit I want to see and be the kind of person that I want to be, there's got to be times of rest, and there's got to be times of abiding. Do you have that rhythm? I mean, daily, what does that look for, like for you? Yeah, prayer and, and reading scripture, but do you just pause throughout your day and acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit? You're right in the middle of work. Holy Spirit, I know that you're here. I've got a really tough meeting coming up. 
That person next to me is really, really annoying me. I could use some of that patience, fruit of the Spirit, right now, right? Are you inviting that into your everyday life? What does it look like weekly? Do you take that Sabbath time? What does it look like monthly? Something that my wife and I have started to do is that we look at our calendar. If we got a really busy month or a really busy week, we will set aside several evenings of the night, or we'll actually set aside, we look at our monthly calendar, and we'll look at a specific weekend, and we'll actually put in the calendar, do nothing. How countercultural is that, right? And it feels scandalous when we're doing it. We're like, is this okay? Is this okay to like stay home and rest? I mean, the only thing we do on a weekend is worship. That's the non-negotiable. But other than that, we're chilling. We're chilling like a villain and our kids are following right along too. It's okay to have your kids be bored. It breeds creativity. It breeds fruitfulness in their life. Don't have to work to the bone. Find a natural rhythm back and forth, daily, weekly, monthly, annually. The world doesn't work by pegging the meter. That's not how God created it. Busyness does not necessarily equal productivity. Hear me say this. As followers of Jesus, fruitfulness is natural, but abiding needs to be intentional. Fruitfulness is natural, but abiding, we have to be intentional. Put it this way. You schedule what's important to you. It's amazing how we, we schedule everything else that's so important to us in our lives. And then there are certain moments when it comes to following God and, and building that relationship with him, we'll often say, oh, I just didn't have time this week. You know, something came up, right? The thing is, we schedule what's important to us. Every morning, I have a meeting at 6 or 6.30 in the morning, depending when I roll out of bed. It's with God. And so if somebody asks me if, you know, if they can meet at that time, I say, sorry, I'm busy. I've got a meeting, and they're way more important than you. No, I don't say that. <laughs> but it's blocked in. It's a non-negotiable. I know that I can't be who God's calling me to be without that. It's, it's not really negotiable anymore. Is it for you? Sabbath, rest, abiding. And just like any new habit or skill or anything that we're developing, it's going to take time. If you plant a seed in the ground, you're not going to hover over the seed and say, come on, grow, speed it up already, right? Some of you want just the instantaneous growth in your life. Jesus says, abide in me, find your rhythm, trust the process that I'm going to produce that kind of fruit. Start with, start, don't try harder, train, (laughs) train yourself. Five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day. Just as if you were getting to know somebody, get to know God, build a relationship with him. I remember doing that in my early college days. I just hated to read the Bible. Prayer was not natural for me, but I just did it every single day. I had some mentors in my life that just challenged me to do that. I said, John, spend time in the word every single day and little by little is 10 minutes and 20 minutes and then pretty soon 30 minutes wasn't enough. Sometimes an hour or two wasn't enough and I would be late to class because not because I was checking off a list saying I had my quote-unquote God time today. It was just like, man, God, I just love being with you. I just love hanging out with you. I just love being a branch that's just hanging out here, receiving that life flowing through the vine from you. And here's the thing, in all these new habits and rhythms, never detach The rhythm, never detach the spiritual discipline from the person of Jesus. Because after all, who's our greatest example of modeling the spiritual disciplines? The only one person in the history of the world to nail it? Jesus, right? Jesus was God. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He didn't have to decide whether he was going to be or not. Jesus didn't have to walk into a Monday morning and go, all right, these disciples, gee whiz, they're getting on my nerves. I got to 
got to work really hard to be patient with you today, Peter, right? He didn't walk into the situation with the adulterous woman and say, hmm, should I be loving or not? Jesus was God. And so Jesus had this uncanny ability to step into any situation and simply be himself, full of the Holy Spirit. What would it look like for you to stop striving and just start being who the Holy Spirit is creating inside of you? Don't confuse spiritual maturity and being really, really, really deep with how long you've been a Christian or how many Bible studies or small groups you've led or what committees you've been on or how busy you are. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. But as I look at the New Testament, particularly what Jesus himself and what Paul says later on, maybe God's less and less concerned about what you do and he's way more concerned about the kind of person that you're becoming. He's way more concerned about the kind of person that you're becoming. You could be a busy church volunteer You could be a highly successful businessman or woman. You could have everything that you've ever wanted in this life and still be prideful and judgmental and critical of others and have a hidden anger issue. Ironically, everything that pushes non-believers away from the church. Instead, if you look at the Gospels, here's the thing that I love about Jesus. People that were nothing like Jesus loved being with Jesus. In fact, Jesus' harshest criticism was actually for the self-righteous religious folks that thought that they didn't need him, that thought that they could be a branch that was detached from the vine. Jesus loved hanging out with people that knew that they didn't have it all together, that were a mess. And after all, bearing fruit is for the sake of mission. It's not just for ourselves, and that's actually where we started. Why does being filled with the Holy Spirit matter? What Jesus demonstrates for us, our world is dying to experience the love of Jesus. We live in a world that's more divided, more violent, more angry, more full of fear than ever before. And I believe that love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and faithfulness have never been more relevant than they are in the world we live in today. And I was thinking about how do I illustrate that for you and kind of how we land today? And this week I was reminded by some colleagues of the perfect example of this. And this is a glorious day in the history of my preaching because I've been waiting for this day for a long time to talk about Mr. Rogers. Does anybody you remember Mr. Rogers? Remember the show Mr. Rogers? All right. Maybe you grew up on it. It's been around for a long time. Maybe your kids grew up on it as well. And, right, and, and you think you know Mr. Rogers, and I thought that I did as well. But it turns out there's a full-length film coming out this summer that's kind of a documentary that tells the story not only of the show but really of his life as well and who Fred was as a person, a Presbyterian minister that actually became a star of a television kid show, which is a logical vocational track, uh, if you think about it, right? And so here he is, and he just wants to create this show for kids that touches kids where they are in their life and lets them know that they're loved. But more than that, what the film is actually about is a simple man who wasn't flashy, he wasn't super loud, he wasn't super outgoing or charismatic, but he also wasn't argumentative or pushy, any of the things that we think that we need to do to reach the world around us. Instead, as I watched this trailer, and I hope that you see it too, all I could think of was, man, I want to hang out with this guy. And then I thought to myself, that's why people loved being with Jesus so much. It's because he was full of the Holy Spirit, and he was so attractional. So as you watch this clip, don't just think so much about Mr. Rogers. Think, where do I see this tangible fruit of the Holy Spirit all over this man? Take a look. Don't try to pretend you weren't singing along there at the end. You were. The greatest thing we can do 
is to let someone know that they are loved and capable of loving. I don't know about you, but that sounds a lot like Jesus to me. That sounds like a, like a spirit-filled life, and it drew kids in like nothing else, but not only kids, us as adults as well. Listen to this portion of a review written by a secular TV critic who saw this film at an advanced screening at a film festival, and he wrote this. As I watched the film play to a packed house at the full-frame documentary film festival, I could not ignore the laughter, but also the crying. Perhaps each viewer was crying for Rogers himself, but I suspect that a fair number were actually crying for themselves. For some, for their inner or remembered child who had been helped by a smiling man and a kind word. But for some, their present adult selves, whose best memory of a loving, caring, nurturing, accepting Christian figure was a fading but yet not erased memory. Why does being filled with the Holy Spirit matter? Because our world is dying to experience the love of Jesus. Some people just don't know it yet. They can't put their finger on it, but they know that they want it. Our world is desperate for the love of Jesus, not the power of positive thinking or not just being nice people. They're desperate for love with power behind it. They're desperate for love that's not fake, but it's real. It's the love of Jesus Christ. And that's why several years ago when when Fred Rogers gave this expert testimony in front of a Senate hearing in front of all these senators that many of them were vehemently opposed to the message that he was bringing and, and, and vying for the, for the investment in the future generation in, in our children and in their lives through public broadcasting. He comes and he speaks this message in love and in truth. And there were senators that were openly weeping <laughs> in this hearing. And many of them that were adamantly against him changed their minds in the course of the hearing and voted differently, not because he was super argumentative or an expert debater, because of love and joy and peace. Folks, it's contagious. And Jesus says, you can have it as my free gift to you today. Stay connected to me. Abide in me. At the end of the day, what Mr. Rogers and way more importantly, Jesus demonstrated over and over and over again is that the world is not changed by our opinions. It's changed by our example. The world is not changed by our opinions. It's changed by the tangible fruit that people can see in our lives, that they can see the God that they long to know in and through our lives. And so as just as we've done every week, as we've closed during this series, we want to give you the opportunity to do that. Some of you have maybe never said, Holy Spirit, come and be present in my life. Some of you are really good at going through the motions or doing the church thing, but is it real for you? That's what the whole point of all of this is. Is it real for you? Or are we just playing church? The world is desperate for this kind of love, for us to become spirit-filled people that can carry out this life-saving mission that Jesus has given us. And so what I want to do is, uh, in a minute, I want to invite you to stand, and and what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite you to 
to open up your hands. And for some of you, this is really weird and, and odd, but basically what we're doing is we're just saying, Jesus, I want more of you. And as we wrap up this sermon series, what else could we do than just say, Jesus, we want you to fill us up with your Holy Spirit. Jesus, we're desperate for you. We want more of you. And so we're just going to open our hands as, as a way of a sign of saying, Jesus, our hearts are open and surrendered to you. We want more of your Holy Spirit in our life. We want to take that pilot light that we talked about a few weeks ago. And we want to fan the flame of the Holy Spirit in our life to its overflowing in us. And band's going to lead us a song, and we're just going to make this our prayer as we close today. So let's stand together. And if you feel comfortable, if you would with me, just open up your hands to the side and just say, Jesus, I'm here for you. I want to be fully present for you. And our prayer today is simply this. Come, Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill us up to overflowing. Our, our, our hands and our hearts are open to you. Jesus, we want to be people. We want to be a church full of the Holy Spirit. So come and fill us up. So Jesus, that is our prayer this morning. Come Holy Spirit and move and work in our lives. God, not just here on Sunday morning, we thank you for the incredible ways that we experience you when we're all together, God. But your Holy Spirit is so real. And I pray that we would sense your presence, God, in our lives every day as we go into our workplaces and our homes and our families, wherever we go, Holy Spirit, be so evident and real in our lives that it's so tangible, that it's so real, that others would be, would be attracted to that and we would be able to give them a reason for the hope that we have. So come, Holy Spirit, go with us, not just today, but in the days and weeks and months to come. Fan the flame in our hearts and fill us up with your love for the world around us that longs to know it. God, we love you, and we pray all these things in your name. And all God's people said together, amen. Amen. As always, come on up for prayer if God's leading you. Now that you've come to church, go be the church. We'll see you next week.